Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So last night was the New Hampshire primary, and oh my gosh, what a record setter it was. I mean, almost everyone I know who has ever made a prediction about politics has not predicted what happened last night. It is absolutely stunning. History was made in the 2016 New Hampshire primary. Now, New Hampshire has always been an unusual state when it comes to politics, and many of the pundits I know recommend that it not even be in the frontier of primaries or caucuses. It just gives an unusual view that doesn't tend to carry through to the rest of the country. Nevertheless, I love New Hampshire, and I love New Hampshire in part politically because it's so quirky. Uh, It's very, very democratic. Uh, it uh, it has lots of volunteers involved. It really is a government by the people. It's politics by the people. Uh, most everything is done by volunteers. For example, this is the stat that I most love about New Hampshire. There are 400 people in the New Hampshire House of Representatives. Well, I mean, there are only 435 in the United States House of Representatives. I mean, and by the way, uh, they've got students there. They've got elderly people. They've got all kinds of folks. It only pays $100 a year. So you either have to be living with mom and dad or you have to be wealthy to be in the New Hampshire uh, House of Representatives. But it is very democratic. One of the things that cracks me up, and then I'll get to my point about last night, uh, is when a state rep said not long ago, I don't think I'll be in the House of Representatives too much longer. Mom and dad aren't happy about it. It turns out he's a 20-year-old college student uh, who is in the U- New Hampshire House of Representatives, and he lives in his mom and, mom and dad's basement. Now, I think that's fine. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not against it. You just don't, you just don't find uh, U.S. congressmen or representatives from any other state talking that way. So New Hampshire is unusual. It's quirky. It's highly democratic. It's roll up your sleeves and get to it. It's everything I love about New England. However, last night, regardless of whether every trend we saw or thought we saw confirmed last night is confirmed in the rest of the country, the fact is that history was made. Bernie Sanders whooped Hillary Clinton in the New Hampshire primary. Now, we expected that he might win. He won by more than 20%. He had 60.1% of the precincts to Hillary Clinton's 382 Um, It was stunning. And I have to tell you, I use the word quixotic of Bernie Sanders. Uh, It comes from the book Don Quixote, and we've made this verb or this adjective quixotic, which means to be, you know, kind of idealistic and maybe a little bit unrealistic, mystical, kind of chasing rainbows a little bit. There's no question that that is what Bernie Sanders' campaign has become or, or, or has been from the beginning. But the fact is, Uh, that last night uh, he was the first, absolutely the first non-Christian to ever win a delegate in an American political, let me say, presidential primary. And paralleling that or going along with that, he was the first Jewish man to do so. So that's absolutely history. 
Uh, he's also one of the most left-leaning politicians uh, we've ever had. I mean, he's pretty much promised to abolish Wall Street. Uh, he's pretty much promised to abolish, to transform our prison system. He's pretty much promised to uh, absolutely just outlaw uh, certain aspects of our economy and to close down certain aspects of our government and to create a whole lot of other departments within our government. He's very quixotic. He's very unusual. He's the classic New England uh, uncle, uh, maybe even slightly grumpy uncle. But I have to tell you, the man has got game. Uh, Hillary Clinton is no slouch. Hillary Clinton is the consummate professional Democratic politician. And Bernie Sanders has beaten her. Uh, and it's not just that he's beaten her in New Hampshire. Uh, I'm of the school of people, and I'm not a statistician, so don't take this to the bank, but I'm of the school of uh, people who believes that he actually won Iowa, uh, but that certain quirks in the laws and certain things that went uh, Hillary Clinton's way uh, prevented it. Of course, even, even if you confirm her victory, it's only by a percentage of a percentage. But all that to say, history absolutely made. The other aspect of the race, of course, is the, of course, is the Republican race. And again, uh, history wasn't made, but it was a stunning result. Donald Trump ended up with thir- more than 35% of the vote in New Hampshire. Second to him is a man I like very much, but hasn't gotten out of the single digits. In fact, he hasn't got out of the first single digit yet. Uh, At Iowa, he had 1%. His name is John Kasich, former governor of uh, Ohio, former Fox commentator. He had less than half of what Trump had, 15.8. So Trump at 35, Kasich at 15. Cruz was third, down around 11, which, by the way, is one-third Uh, less than one-third of the votes that Trump had. And then you have Bush after that at 11. uh, Cruz was 11.7. And Rubio at 10. Uh, Not too far away from a quarter of the votes that Trump received. If you look at a map online of New Hampshire and you see all the districts uh, colored in Trump colors. It looks like he owns the state and heck maybe he does for all I know. So it's a stunning result. It's a historic result. Now I have to come back uh, with, with some analysis. The main thing that we see thus far, thus far in the, the presidential race of 2016 is that the old guard does not seem to be as in control as they were. They haven't gone away. The old guard would be the smoke-filled rooms of the party politicians. The old guard would be the media. Um, there are probably some old, other old guards out there, but those are the two institutions that seem to have lost their control. Donald Trump was able to completely skip a Fox-sponsored uh, G- uh, debate, GOP debate, and then he comes out and does even better in the next primary, the New Hampshire primary, than he was expected to do. Um, the party seems to have no control. The party does not want Cruz running. They do not want Trump running. Uh, I'm not sure they want some of the others running. And some of the establishment candidates, for example, though I like him very much, Chris Christie is an establishment candidate, and he's dropping out today, uh, this being the day after New Hampshire. Uh, others are going to drop out as well. If, if Jeb Bush did not have uh, a great deal of money, he would have always already dropped out. He was very low. Um, as I say, only 11% of the New Hampshire vote. And this is a man who hails from New England. So 
it was a pretty astonishing thing. And what it's showing us is that the old controls, the institutions that used to dominate, control, make decisions in the back rooms, uh, you know, develop their pageants, develop their performances, uh, control their conventions, uh, and do the whole thing as a political presentation, they are losing control. Part of it, the reason is that there's a great deal of money that is flowing into the pockets, not so much the pockets, but the campaigns of these candidates around the party apparatus. The laws allow now a more direct form of contribution. And so Donald Trump has his own money. Others are receiving huge amounts of money and uh, they can do it around the party apparatus in the same way that, you know, I can start a a political PAC or a 501c3 and I can receive a great deal of money uh, without it having to go through anybody's hands. That's a major part of it. The other part is there is so much media out there, so many different media outlets that you no longer watch just the three networks uh, to keep up with what's going on in politics. There are news networks and websites and reporters out there that though I stay fairly active in this, I don't, I hardly even know who they are. Who are these people? Uh, I came across a whole, a whole slate of news services the other day. My assistant, uh, my executive assistant, Karen Montgomery, uh, introduced them to me. It's called 538. I had no idea it even existed, even though I've read almost every book of the person who founded it. I just hadn't make, made the connection. So uh, now I pay attention to their analysis because it's very statistical, and I like that, even though it's not my gift. So the media is splintering. It's it's multiplying. No one person's in control. I mean, some of the major players of four years ago, like maybe Daily Kos, KOS, uh, I like some of what they do. They're further to the, far further to the left than I am. Uh, they are swimming in a sea of similar media this time. So nobody controls. When I was a child, I know I'm speaking like the old man, we'd pull up around the television and watch one of maybe three networks. Maybe PBS was on locally, though they didn't do much on politics. Now you don't pull up around the television. You do your Roku, you do your Apple TV, you go online, you watch video clips, you watch little uh, video clips from apps. Hardly anybody watches a 30-minute evening TV show or the campaign broadcast anymore from the major networks. And then finally is simply the party apparatus. I mean, basically politics is going the way of the rest of society. We're unplugging from the big cable organizations. Uh, we are getting our education uh, largely apart from universities. Uh, things are going more network. They're going more high tech. There's more power in the hand of the common man. And this, of course, diminishes the power of parties. Overall, it's a very good trend. Uh, I like what's happening in our society. I like that there's more power in the hands of the individual. I like high tech uh, for the most part. I know there are privacy issues and moral issues and what have you, and I'm very sensitive to them. Um, but I like the fact that uh, there's a decentralizing of power happening in our society. It needs to happen more fully. But it's pretty shocking that the political parties are losing their strength. No question that the leading candidates in both parties have done an end run around their party. Bernie Sanders has gone completely around the Democratic National Party, and no question that Donald Trump is basically flipping the bird to the Republican Party and to Fox and saying, I will run however I want to run, and he is turning in stunning numbers and making the rest of the Republican slate look like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Now, 
with all of the celebration and with all of the Yahoo and all of the fun that people are having today and the celebrating. I've already gotten calls from my Jewish friends who like to tease me about things and I'm celebrating with them. Of course, it's history. And of course, we're happy that in the same way uh, that I wasn't with Barack Obama politically, but thrilled that a black man was president, I'm thrilled that a Jewish man can get uh, can rank highly uh, in, a, in a democratic primary early on. All fantastic. But let's not lose our freaking minds. The fact is that we are now moving out of quirky land. Iowa's quirky. New Hampshire is quirky. And we're heading to the south. Next week on Saturday the 20th will be the Republican primary in South Carolina. You're down there with the home folk. You're down there with a highly Christian audience. You're down there with a largely white-leaning audience, your, heart, your, your voters. You are, you are in a different world. Uh, not too long after that, on March the 1st, you have the, the Super Tuesday, uh, which I call the SEC primary because many of the states of the uh, Southeast Conference in football are in this primary. And this is going to be a campaign, a run-up campaign that's got to be strongly faith-oriented. Um, it's going to be, have to be more conservative. Uh, Bernie Sanders is not going to do as well. Uh, Hillary will rise, etc. So let's just keep in mind that while it is, uh, there are some admirable things happening and some things we celebrate as Americans um, and some people are to be commended, uh, I'm not sure that Bernie Sanders and Trump are going to play as well in, South, in the South with the home folk. I'm not sure you can stumble around about your religion in the South, and certainly not in South Carolina. And then there's one other thing for us to consider, and that is that while the party is going away, uh, the networking, the personal commitments, the influence of money is not. And the fact is that Hillary Clinton already has committed to her a huge number of superdelegates. Now, I'll let you look up what superdelegates are because I need to end here in a minute. But the fact is that there are already commitments, already deals. There's already been bargaining involved. And the likelihood that Hillary Clinton is going to lose this election is very slim. Now, I've been wrong before, but I don't come to you and just base what I'm saying on my own little one-man analysis. I listen to a lot of people. I talk on the phone with a lot of analysts. And the fact of the matter is Hillary Clinton... Uh, should do very well as we start moving south and west. Um, and Bernie Sanders should not. And by the same token, though Trump is untested, my guess is he'll do fairly well out west, but he may not do well in the south and the midwest, especially if he cannot clean up his potty mouth, which is a big, big issue. So we're having fun. We're in quirky land. We've seen some unusual results. Some people have been spanked. Marco Rubio definitely spanked. Uh, Christy, Chris Christie definitely spanked. And I'm sorry to see him go. I like him very much. Um, I think Jeb Bush is hanging on just through the, through the sheer power of dollars. Um, and there are some other folks who probably are going to drop out. I would think, I guess that uh, Dr. Ben Carson, who said he was going home to get a change of clothes, is actually going to drop out as well. But the bottom line to all of this is, the rodeo is just beginning, and all we've seen so far are the clowns. Uh, I don't mean the candidates. I mean the unusual states in which they've run. So kudos to Bernie Sanders uh, for running uh, and for running so well. Uh, kudos to Donald Trump. Dang you, I don't, I don't get you, and I'm not probably going to vote for you. But goodness, what a juggernaut. Now, though, I hope and I expect things will turn. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'll come back and say it. 
So here's celebrating the unusualness of American politics and the quirky, highly democratic, New England, awesome state of New Hampshire. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.